welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows the word queer isn't spooky. Today we have Ozzy and Laura. That's right! It's the Laura and Ozzy show. It's the Laura and Ozzy show. Woop, woop, woop. That's right. You'll hear um, our theme song at the end for our- <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, Is this the first here- time um, that you have only been on an episode with one other person? I think we did one other one, just the two of us. Me, just me I and you. I think it was, yeah, I oh, think it was about uh, like healthcare patents. Okay, well, this will be way more fun. In general, this will be a lot more fun. That was also a good one. We, you know, did a lot of research, but this is just going to be fun. Yeah. Um, We're just coming at y'all with some nonsense today. So, you love to see it. Honestly. Yeah. I think you, we all need a little nonsense. You need it. It's spooky season and the time is right. Um, <laughs> and today we're talking about all of the queer horror content that you need to know about this Halloween, especially some of the newer movies, shows and stuff that have come out like in the last year or so. Um, I also feel like this spooky season has had some of the most cursed queer (laughs) Halloween content in my memory. Um, There's just like more queer horror stuff out there than ever, it feels like. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is just so bad. Um, So I don't know. I feel like we can just like help people sort through it a bit. Give let you know, like how we're feeling about everything that is out there right now. Yeah. And you know, post-capitalistic neoliberalism is gonna do what it's gonna do, which means it's gonna be like, oh, being queer is actually profitable right now. Like, queer stories are selling, so let's do it. And turns out that's not good for Capitalism is bad. Queer people. (laughs) Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. You heard it here first. No one's ever, no, we've (laughs) we're the first ones to let you know. Um, so I thought we could kind of think about like what and I know we've done we've done horror episodes. We've done this, but like as a pop culture freak, I personally think we could talk about anything in media forever probably because it's always changing and always evolving. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I feel like really this year kind of like the pandemic boom of like small budget horror really feels like this time where like things have shifted a lot so i think we're gonna have some new things to share as well absolutely absolutely um but like what makes horror queer um great question and i kind of feel like just to kick us off like horror is generally like inherently queer because (laughs) queer people experience a lot of horror in our lives you know obviously not all of us but there's a lot of themes that are wrapped up in having a uh non-normative identity Um, definitely and so you know does inclusion of a queer actor or a queer crew member automatically infect a production with its queerness is the topic or subject of the film queer if 
is the movie written by a queer author, but the film itself doesn't implicitly deal with a queer story? Is the movie queer horror because it's being memed into existence like the Babadook? <laughs> Babadook. I feel like Great I always example. It. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I don't even know. I have not seen the Babadook. I really need to, but... I know. I honestly haven't either. I just know because of all yeah. of that. I just feel like it's not going to live up to the memes, honestly. Of course. And I'm going to be like, oh, the Babadook doesn't like make out with another mask uh, <laughs> monster. What's going on here? I don't understand. Like- <laughs> exactly. Um, it would take until the late 20th century to the first quarter of the 21st century before you could exceed before you could see explicitly queer themes and plots play out without needing to be hidden behind a layer of otherness. The first explicitly gay slasher, Hellbent, did not exist until 2004. Um, And obviously, we love what we know to be queer horror that existed before them, but they're talking about, like, explicitly queer. Yeah, that's a good fun fact. I did not know that. It's it's fun, all right. Just in our very recent history. <laughs> um, so, yeah, because so much of horror is, like, playing with memory, playing with um, trauma, um, you know, also just fearing that every queer protagonist is going to die, and they typically do, mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of times if someone's trans or gender queer or if they're like a flaming queer they're one of the quote unquote two genders right um which right. like other than they them which just came out and has one character who's not like that which we're going to get into yes which we definitely will talk about but i yeah i think you're right it's like even when there is some fluidity it's often like gender is still considered very it's very like binary like you're gay or you're straight there's right. also like rarely bi or pan characters totally and it's like you know we're heteroing queer media to fit a broader audience is kind of how it seems like or some people are depending mm-hmm. on the movie some movies are just gonna be queer as hell and we love that about them um so you may have heard of the final girl trope if you haven't, it's basically like a classic horror trope that there's one girl at the end of the movie that survives, and that's the final girl. Mm-hmm. Um, one could argue that all final girls are queer because by no choice of their own, they are targeted in sequel after sequel, representing the survival trope. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like where what we as queer people are doing in a lot of our daily life we're constantly hyper vigilant we're fully aware that um you know we need to learn how to enjoy life both after and before the next sequel i love thinking of it that way i feel like there's also this parallel where like in at least like in the past the final girl often was like a virgin or had Mm, to be very like pure white and like good yeah often white um so I would hazard a guess, usually white, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that can also mirror sort of expectations of queerness being like hidden, like you can be queer, but you can't act on it. You can't actually have sex because that would be too much. Um, kind of like these expectations and constraints that are placed on queer people. Yeah, absolutely. And because like, 
literally almost all of horror until very recent history was all created for the male gaze. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's an inherent thing of like the male gaze with the final girl that is inherently hetero, right? Um, so there's... Yes, it couldn't be a final guy because that would be gay. Right. Why are you as a man watching a man be in a movie? <laughs> Are you gay, man? Um, <laughs> but as we're going to see and as we're going to talk about, at the end of the day, I think that what makes horror queer is totally up to the viewer. Um, whether the media has explicitly queer characters or themes or if the creative team and actors are queer or even if a person is able to identify with themes and scenarios that are more subtly queer – I think it can be any of those factors or even a culmination of those elements. Um, and there's a movie that Ozzy and I decided is queer. And uh, we hope you love it. And just remember that queerness is in the eyes of the beholder. But Zoe has also seen it and was like, yes, when they read this Yes, we ha okay. We have a critical mass of Season of the Bitch hosts have signed <laughs> off on this. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, we wanted to spend the bulk of this episode, I think, talking about, like, some of the new horror that's come out and also just, like, discourse around that, like, horror or, like, queer horror discourse that's been happening this spooky season. Um, and we wanted to start with They Them, which is a movie <laughs> that just came out this year. Luckily, um, we got to watch it together. <laughs> Yes, we did for for science. For science, we watched this movie together. I actually watched it a second time I also later. Did. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we both had like other oh, on the same night. Friends. I think we. I think yeah. it might. Be I think we did because I saw you tweet about it, and I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> We're literally doing <laughs> this together." Amazing. Yes. Um. But yes. So we we both seen it twice. I I did tweet about it. Took some notes the second time that I'm going to reference. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I think we wanted to maybe start out with just like a brief synopsis of this movie um do you want to start us off laura yeah sure so what's like the premise here the premise is um a group of queer young adults probably around the ages of 18 to 22 um, yeah a lot of them seem to be in that range of like technically maybe legally adults but right. still have some like family pressure around exactly their right yeah so they're sent to a gay conversion therapy camp um right when they get off uh the bus they're put into a boy's cabin and a girl's cabin and so ozzy's gonna get into that in a little bit but um then as time goes on these characters are noticed like they're they're given the idea that this uh is a different kind of um gay conversion therapy cat camp that it's right. like a liberal it's like a nice a nice gay conversion camp if such a thing exists yes oh also the reason why ozzy and i decided to see this the day it came out was because we saw a tweet that said this was the vote blue no matter who of queer horror yeah, of, of movies or something like and that. and we were like oh god oh yeah i mean it this is what we're talking about with like libs doing the worst um so like they say like oh this is like a fine um thing you know we don't use any really bad uh torture techniques or anything like that obviously 
some yes. stuff is and also it's, the camp is run by kevin bacon yes. he's like sort Important. of the creepy uncle leader cult leader figure um but yeah basically over the course of the movie people start disappearing um from the viewer's perspective we don't know who the killer is but people are clearly being murdered like graphically um and by the end of the movie i feel like we should maybe not spoil it although i don't know it's hard to like talk about it without spoiling it i wonder if we should like i feel like we could talk about it without spoiling it i think we can do it i think we can do it without telling you who the killer is we'll tell you everything without telling you who who the killer killer is (laughs) exactly right um but basically i think like one of the one of the ways this movie was presented as sort of radical is that a lot of the people who end up experiencing violence are like the camp counselors who force these queer kids to go through all these terrible things but there is also a lot of like you know abuse of young queer people that forms like a big part of what is supposed to be scary about this movie i think um and i think basically for me my takeaway was that this movie didn't really understand what is scary about queer conversion camps (laughs) right also didn't really understand what's scary about serial killers like i feel like it combined these two like a real life horror and kind of a less real or like common form of horror and it ended up kind of like defanging both of those concepts in a weird way where like the conversion camp stuff was too like silly and overdone to me like one of my biggest beefs with this movie is like there's this part where they're basically trying to like um clockwork orange people into like being straight so they show them like (laughs) they like hold their eyes open and they have to like watch this video um and it's like it'll do like straight porn and then it switches to gay porn and then they get an electric shock and it's supposed to like train their brain but the porn that they're seeing is literally just photos of like partly shirtless people like basically it's all essentially fully clothed like maybe there's like a bare chest or like a woman with a bra like there's nothing particularly graphic which just to me especially in the age of internet porn I'm like these kids have certainly seen more graphic like images than this it was just really there was something kind of like that felt like sanitized about it like it felt like the horrors of the conversion camp to me were sanitized in a way that I felt like it was like taking something away from what would really be scary and like horrible about going through an experience like this um but then on the other hand the actual killings which again like I don't want to get into too much because I do think that's like more where we get into spoiler territory Mm -hmm. but I felt like the ultimate conclusion of like who the killer was and what their motivations were did not (laughs) I didn't find like scary no I I supported them so I was kind of like I don't get like why is this supposed to be scary or like what are we supposed to take away from this beyond the obvious like I didn't really feel like there was a bigger message behind it I guess yeah and I almost feel like it ends up kind of being anticlimactic in that way Um, yeah definitely I feel like we both we both said that when we were watching it um 
I think some other things that I noted, this is just kind of a random hodgepodge of things. There is only one person who uses they, them pronouns in this movie. The title, I think, is supposed to be able to be pronounced they slash them. And that's kind of supposed to be the pun because it's like a slasher. But there is only one they, them. So there's no, they do not slash them because they're, (laughs) and also like, I hope this is not too much of a spoiler to say the they, them is not the killer. So they are not doing any of the slashing. So I just think the title doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, Also, this person who is the only non-binary character in the movie, at least from like what we're presented with, literally their first line is, I'm trans and non-binary, I use they, them pronouns. And that just hurt me so much. (laughs) I know. And literally, so there's only two trans characters in the entire um, movie. Yeah, um, that's a good point, too. Like, you know, all of the characters are gay, basically. Um, but, yeah, there's there's only two trans characters, and the movie's called They, Them. And in this movie, you will get queer sex, which we love to see, obviously. But it will never be with either of the trans people. Um, yeah. Which is that, a choice. A good point. <laughs> Yeah, I also found the, I mean, there were, I I remember at least, I guess there are two, like, explicit sex scenes where, like, it's clear that more than, like, a makeout is happening, but it did feel, like, fairly tame for oh, the yeah. realm of, like, what sex in film can be, um, or just, like, very, um, like, minimal, I guess, like, it didn't make up a big part of the movie, Um I personally also was really mad that the, like, groundskeeper, like, I don't know, like, uh, worker in the film ends up actually being kind of evil and creepy Mm. because I just think that's such a trope, first of all, like, having the, like, creepy gardener or whatever. But I'm also, like, I don't know, like, janitorial work is very hard. (laughs) Landscaping is very hard. Like, why did that character need to be evil? I just, like, am mad on behalf of groundskeepers, honestly. Yeah, justice for the workers always, except the workers at the conversion therapy camp. (laughs) Yes, not the, the, like, you know, therapists backing this up are definitely, they can go. But I'm like, this this guy who just got this job, like, gardening well we don't know could have been fine i we mean we know. we don't know but in and the he movie, does do some really is, creepy shit he is a very fucked up person but yeah. i'm like in real life i feel like that person would just be like some guy yeah. and they didn't need to make him like one of the main villains right totally um so this is a hot take and probably isn't shared by many but um there's a sing-along to the pink song uh you're fucking perfect and you know what as a theater kid i loved it i loved it because it was the first moment there was like there's so much bullshit in the beginning of like i don't know the queers were not loving on each other and i was just like what are we talking about this is stupid this is not how queers are you're right yeah it did and it was like the first uniting moment yeah I found that scene somewhat painful (laughs) and embarrassing to watch, but 
it did rest. I love cringe from though, like so that's my problem. yeah. That's I mean I I enjoyed watching it just because it is so cringe. It did. It also like I don't know is definitely one of the few times we get to see like queer joy on yeah. screen. Yeah. So I I feel you on that. It's like thank God we're not just like yeah continuing on the like because there's just this whole thing of like they all have to like switch cabins because mm. they find out that this character is trans and like Ugh. she can't stay in the girl's cabin. Right. I don't know. There's just like a lot, a lot of bad shit happens right at the beginning. Right. And then it's like, okay, pink sing along. Let's just like wipe our hands. Yeah. Us. Let's like get it together <laughs> and bring, bring it in. And I know, I know that that's a hot take, but like I had to say it cause it's my truth, you know? I mean, yes, you you do have to say your truth. Speaking of which, <laughs> my favorite part of this movie, honestly, is at the very end when the killer does their final kill right beforehand, they just say, this is my truth. And I'm just like, that that is actually iconic. That is what I want out of queer horror. So no, you have to read what you said. It's perfect. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. What I what I originally tweeted is the killer saying this is my truth right before the final kill is such a sleigh. It really is. Um and I really wasn't even I wasn't even trying to make a pun, but no, then but I was like that it. is that is a pun. Yeah. yeah. We love literally it. a sleigh. Um I think someone pointed that out <laughs> in my mentions. <laughs> of course they did. Um people love to point things out in the mentions. Um <laughs> so true this queer cast is really 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 good like really good um yes definitely. the writing yeah. is terrible but yeah the acting the, is the writing is nonsense uh, this is actually reminding me i did want to mention i'm gonna have to look up this actor's name so that i get it right but um one of the like fairly prominent characters in this movie is played by this actor Austin Crute. He was also in this other he also played a queer character in this Netflix series Daybreak which is like a zombie apocalypse thing but it takes place at a high school. Oh fun. Um and he plays this character who's like queer and has a crush on kind of like the like football jock bully character and has to sort of grapple with like does he want to support his friends or does he want to like go for this sort of impossible crush that he has? Um, and that is like one of my favorite recent horror things that I've seen. I think it's from a few years ago. So if you want to see Austin Crute in something, I highly recommend go go watch Daybreak instead of they slash them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but still, honestly, it's worth it. I am. Just because I mean, yeah, I I like obviously was going to watch it. I did watch of it course. twice. Yeah. Um can't can't say for sure I'll never watch it again. So Yeah, it was definitely at least entertaining. Yes, for sure. Um Zoe had a hot take that um I'm going to try to that they voice noted me from their car that I'm going to try to add in here. Okay, finally, um, my thought on they, them is that the main character, I think their name was Jordan. No, that could be completely wrong. I don't remember their name, but they could get it. That's my comment. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> they could get it. That's what Zoe had to add to that one. <laughs> Beautiful. And yes, that actor, Theo I mean, Germain, they they are non-binary in real life as well um they definitely are they like can get it yes they i think like 
the the queer hive mind has spoken and they can in fact get it yeah also (laughs) the like more butch lesbian character can absolutely get it also oh yeah for sure there definitely are some very hot people in this film so you know that's that's a win for the queer community um okay i think we mostly due to time and also because I could talk about this forever let's move on to Dahmer which is this Netflix series that just came out um which I believe was originally listed under like the LGBTQ category and then people were like that seems fucked up because it's about a serial killer so like maybe don't brand that as like queer representation um I I don't know I know like Zoe has thoughts about this that they've shared with us so I think we have another voice note to play from them but I so far have not watched this partly because there has also been a lot of stuff coming out from the victims families that folks may have seen just about this is like not stuff that's new but I think this is one of those things where like having more like democratic access to media has made it easier for people to come out about these things I think like one of the victims honestly was just tweeting about it a lot and like that's how I first saw it and where people were sharing it um but basically just about how like Netflix did not have to when production companies make something like this there's no legal obligation to like get permission from the victims families and they never do um Netflix did not talk to the victims families at all about this and they literally like have characters that are playing like people's family that spoke at the trial and stuff like that um so that just like I think has left a very bad taste in my mouth in terms of like just knowing that this was made in a really exploitative way then it just it makes it hard to like watch it as this like fun Halloween thing essentially yeah for Um, sure yeah uh, sorry, excuse me. Oh, God. <laughs> That's how we feel about that. That is That's the it. reaction to Dahmer. Exactly. Um, yeah, so also, like, I... This is generally not the type of TV that I like anyway, but also because of all the reasons, Ozzy said, I have not seen it either. Um, Zoe has seen two episodes, and they wanted to share... <laughs> Um, their thoughts. Uh, stay tuned. Okay, I just recorded a whole thing and then my GPS started talking and it cut me off. But sharing some thoughts on Dahmer. So, as I was sharing with y'all the other day, Dahmer initially they put the LGBTQ tag or whatever Netflix calls their queer category. Um, tag on it so it was showing up in that category and a lot of people were like what the fuck like this is not a queer icon um and netflix did like change that but only because so many people were like what the fuck are you doing um so that's the first thing about it part two on Dahmer, and this could be a spicy hot take from yours truly um Honestly, I think it's boring. I watched only about two episodes. I had to check it out. I'm a, I'm a true crimey. Um, it's boring. And this is like, this part's true of a lot of serial killers. Like, they'll use more or less the same methods over and over again. So, at least for the first couple episodes, it's just like him doing the same thing. Like, he goes to, he would like go to bars and get drunk and buy people drinks and then take them home. And then you, you know the rest because it's true crime. Um, 
And so it was just that a bunch of times. And yeah, I honestly found it boring. I didn't continue. And usually with that stuff, I'm like hooked in a grotesque way. So anyway, those are some thoughts. Love you. <laughs> Welcome Love to you, Zoe, voice notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah voice notes in the car. <laughs> Yeah, reporting from the field. Zoe was um, like, oh, "I'm on my way to I'm on my way to a class right now, but I actually do have some thoughts. I'm gonna voice note them to you." <laughs> like, okay, great. I love it. <laughs> so um, you heard it here from our uh, true crime me that yes, it's boring, and also it's just you know we we're not here for it. Yeah. Um. Well, before we get into any other media, I do just feel like I have to briefly talk about what I was referencing at the beginning of this episode, um, which I, in my mind, I'm thinking of as David Sedaris's Dan Savageification, <laughs> which is basically that he came out um, and said this thing about how he's choosing to identify as straight um, because he doesn't feel like he's allowed to identify as gay anymore. He feels like everyone's using the word queer. And he basically said, I'm simply done fighting the term queer. And so therefore I'm going to identify as straight, even though he is like in a long-term gay relationship. Um, and this what? was this like segment on CBS. So like a lot of people saw it. Um, oh my God. Then uh... there was also this other op-ed that this person um I don't know a ton about her, but she definitely seems like, at least in her reporting, she like cited some turf uh, like publications, basically just also like an op-ed being like, yeah, we can't say lesbian anymore. We can't say gay anymore. It's all about queer and that's trans people's fault. And also we don't like this term. I fucking love, I love how it just falls in on itself. There's like literally don't say gay bills, by Republicans. Right. Yes, exactly. And but it's they're like, like also, we can't say gay anymore, but it's because yeah. of the progressives. All of the queer people I know <laughs> also identify as gay. And yeah. if anything, it's people like David Sedaris who will be like, well, you can't identify as gay because you're actually bi. Or like, you can't right. identify as gay, you're a lesbian. And it's like... I can identify as a raccoon with a bucket hat, bitch. So true. And also and like... I do. It's kind of like who the fuck cares? Like, obviously, if people are if right, we're living on are, hell. Like, using queer identity to harm people in some way, that is bad. But like, overall, I don't think it's a huge problem that people are like saying they're gay and not having gay sex. I just like don't think that's one of the most pressing issues <laughs> facing our world today. Um, so that's that's that. I just like be have fucking to say, for real, you know. I love the word queer and so sorry to see David Sedaris going down this dark path. Um, I mean, I honestly don't care. You know? I mean, I yeah, I have no idea what he was really doing before, but writing um, books, I guess, right? Yeah, right. I mean, writing books for sure, but like, I don't know if he has a history of being anti queer as a term or if he just like started doing this recently. He was Whatever bored as case, a boomer or something. Yeah, you hate to see it. He yeah. needed something to get mad about. Um, okay. I also wanted to mention this movie came out last year, but it's been pretty hard to find online until recently. So I think it's worth shouting out. It's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. Um, and it is made by this trans non-binary 
director, um, writer named Jane Schoenbrunn, and also um, basically covers like a lot of things about how like identity and gender relate to like online meme culture and gaming culture. Um, It's a very low budget film, so definitely don't expect like a ton of crazy effects, but I found it very spooky. Um, Yeah. And it's also just cool to see like, you know, a movie that is actually written and directed by a queer trans person Mm. rather than they them, for example, was made by a gay but like cis white man who's like already pretty established um so i just feel like that is a good example of something like new up and coming director to watch out for um they also have a new movie that's supposed to come out next year with a24 so that will be you know like probably the more polished like high budget version of their vision so i'm really excited to see that from her yeah um Okay, I think we also wanted to talk about bodies, bodies, bodies. Yes, Did I you ha- see? This I haven't one watched more? it yet. Like, okay, it's it's I, on my list. Yeah, I fucking mostly... um Pete, whatever is in it, oh, right? Yeah. Pete Pete Davidson, right. he's in it. Yes, yes, that guy's in it. Um, mostly I found out about this movie because there was this controversy. Um, since we're talking about discourse, where basically this white queer author wrote an op-ed where she said something about how the movie was like a 90-minute ad for Amanda Stenberg's tits, which was supposed to be an insult. I read that and was like, well, that makes me want to see it more. And then I saw it and I was like, there were no tits. Like, I don't know what that was about. There were just regular clothing. I mean, it was like, I think the author was trying to say like, oh, this movie was so like, raunchy and like there was so much like tight fitting tops or like lack of clothing or whatever and it's like there was none of that it was just normal costuming so I don't even know what that was about it reminds me of the Megan the Stallion line that's like but it's 2020 I'm not gonna argue about twerking or whatever yeah it's so true it's like what are we what are (laughs) Um, we talking about and yeah I think basically people were Oh, and then Amanda Stenberg responded to this author being like, it's funny that you were so obsessed with looking at my breasts that you couldn't even watch the movie. And then the writer was like, well, that's homophobic because I'm queer. And Amanda was like, well, I'm also queer. And also like, I don't know, like she's much younger and is a black woman. So it's just like there's kind of this dynamic of like this older, like entrenched author um, with like mainstream media hating on this young actress and then getting mad that she kind of like clapped back um after all was said and done the original don't yeah don't the the original author who wrote this thing ended up just like deleting her twitter account because people were dragging her so hard um and just being like why like you can't like come for someone and then be mad when they come back at you right um I personally really enjoyed Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's definitely, like, more of a, you know, just, like, fun, light, uh, like, teen slumber party slasher vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I guess, like, basically the people who end up being the two main characters are queer. And also for the, like, internet discourse bonus points, this movie is based on a story by 
Kristen Rupanian, I believe is her name, but she's the author of that story, Cat Person, that like went super viral a long time ago. <laughs> and then more recently, there was more discourse because someone came out and was like, this story was sort of based on me and the author didn't like give me any credit. And that was oh, sort of shit. weird. Um, so that's just like a fun um bonus bonus discourse from this movie that it is related to the story cat person as well yes we love to be in the know yes <laughs> um okay so i wanted to talk about scream um i fucking love all scream i feel like the scream series could do no wrong personally um so the openly gay screenwriter Kevin Williamson created and launched the Scream franchise back in 1996. Hell yeah. uh, um, exactly. So this is the sixth installment of the series, and Williamson has returned as an executive producer, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, like it's not technically queer, uh, you know, as these things go, but a it's got enough camp energy in the slasherness of it that I I feel like it's queer. Um, and also, totally in this one, um, it's still a pretty big deal that a member of the core group is a black lesbian portrayed by Jasmine Savoy Brown, who is a queer NB in real life. Um, she's mm-hmm. also in um, Yellow Jackets, which is one of my favorite queer horror TV shows of all time. Um, yes. And I feel like I've seen her in something else also. Now I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But I can't remember love, either. You know, great. Definitely endorsed yeah. Jasmine's work. And yeah, the Scream series has such a cult following. It, And I just feel like cult followings happen because like queer people are out here making it happen yes absolutely but it's very good and i highly recommend it yes i still need to see that one so i'm very excited about it and i do also just think that like a lot of times even if horror isn't explicitly queer it is explicitly about like i don't know like morals kind of or like what what like values people have and what we think is scary and so i just think that is often still rich territory for like queer readings yeah definitely Um, another one that i wanted to mention this is like you know not really an explicitly queer plot but um the new hellraiser movie that just came out um stars a trans woman i gotta look up her name she's like fairly famous at this point jamie clayton she was also in sensate which i watched some of for various reasons didn't finish but i know that's like a big thing Were that you she Netflix was in chilling? also uh yeah that that may have been part of it <laughs> no honestly yes. i think i just was watching it like with my sister and we got too high and we're like this is confusing mm, now because there's classic. a lot of like time jumping and stuff um right, right right basically i just need to go back to it when my like brain is working better but um yeah. but yeah i i did really like her in that from what i saw of it um and she also is great in hellraiser it really like gives her a lot it's like a good role um a rich role and i I don't know for sure if this is true for anyone except me, but I do consider 
the original Hellraiser to be something of a queer cult classic, um, largely because it's, and I mean, maybe more specifically, it feels very trans to me. Hell yeah. Um, I feel like it's very much about sort of like what what it takes to turn your body into something else and what what that is like and also what it means to like not be able to have the body that feels right for you and what the horror of living with that is like um those are like a lot of the concerns of the original i found the remake to be less about those things honestly mm-hmm. but it was like cool less that body horror yeah like definitely less less body horror it was also less like gross and scary i would say so that does make could be a better option if like Mm -hmm. that's less your thing um it definitely was just much more about these characters um and yeah jamie clayton was great in it fuck yeah this is from zoe okay hello reporting live from my car on the way to the real horror which is grad school so okay first about Hellraiser. I love all of the Hellraiser movies. The first Hellraiser is one of the first um, horror movies, amongst the first horror movies I ever watched. And I was convinced to watch it because I was told that dumb men get lured into their own demise. And that promise was fulfilled. Um, So those movies, they hold up. 10 out of 10 would recommend amazing yes and that's actually that reminds me that something i think the 2022 hellraiser did maybe even better than the original is setting up like a really evil gross rich man to sort of be like the main the main victim of all of this which i think in the original it's a little more the lines are a little blurrier maybe between like characters that you might relate to and then the characters that end up being evil. Um, it's basically the original guy is just like really into sex, which is like kind of gay, but then he ends up being like kind of a creep and it's bad. So um, I think like this one was a little bit more, had like stronger lines between good and evil perhaps. Um Okay, so another thing I wanted to talk about, this is from last year, but still relatively recent, um, the Fear Street trilogy Mm -hmm. of movies that was on Netflix. Um, I actually have only seen the first one so far. Well, it's the best Uh, one. Yeah, I loved that one. It's very gay. And also, I kind of liked the balance of like, scariness but not necessarily being super graphic or like I've watched that with people who are not as into horror movies and still enjoyed it Mm -hmm. so I always appreciate that um but also yeah I know you've seen all of these Laura so I wanted to hear more about your thoughts yeah um so basically The first one is set in the most modern times, I would say, Um, and then it kind of goes backwards in time. So the second one is set in the 70s, and it's set at a summer camp. So if you want a better summer camp horror Mm, uh, than they them, you can watch the second Fear Street. And then the third one is like back in the 1600s. The first one is definitely the best, and... I think that's kind of 
really noted across the board when I was looking at reviews. Um, the other two seem like Netflix was just like, yeah, we're going to do it. I like the acting in the second one a lot because there's um, the girl with the red hair in, from Stranger Things in it, and I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's good, and I also just love, you know, a lesbian love story that spans hundreds of years and generations, you know what I mean? So true, yeah. Um, I also feel like the fact that these are based on, like, the book series Fear the Street, which... R.L. Stein. Yeah, by R.L. Stein. You heard which, of him? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I mean... This this may just be one of those things that it's like everyone liked this, but I I was obsessed with the Goosebumps books also as a kid. And I feel like, I don't know, one of the things that I liked about them is that they didn't focus on like straight romance because they were mostly about weird shit happening. Well, and half of them were like, turn to this page if you want this adventure. And then... <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. The choose your own adventure aspect. I think I think that's an inherently queer format in many ways. Um, So I just I like that it's like drawing from this thing that I think a lot of like queer people of our general age group also really liked from childhood. Like I think reviving maybe one of the few things that I feel like a positive childhood nostalgia for is is always nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So there, uh, a couple years ago, was a uh, a movie that came out called Freaky, um, yes. which the title is a twist on Freaky Friday. Um, so it has a little bit of a body swapping element. Um, fun fact, when I saw this, I saw it at the drive-in with friend of the pod, oh God, Colleen, who did our shirt designs yes. and was on one of our episodes. Um, yes, I watched this on Halloween. I think the year that it came out, I don't remember for sure, but it immediately became one of my favorite horror movies. And I've watched it at least twice since then. Oh, my God. Um, I'm, I didn't. I everyone who I've talked to was like, I did not like it. It was so bad. And I was like, that's see, I definitely feel like I watched it with people who didn't like it and then I was like I'm I feel bad that I made you watch this but I'm obsessed with this movie um but I mean it's so this fun is like, it's so fun and really like horror comedy is actually like one of my favorite genres like I, agree, I really same. like and when I think it's hard to do like, well yeah it's so hard to do well and it's like I don't know I specifically love kind of like like slapstick comedy or like dumb stoner comedy vibes and then like actual horror and gore and scary things happening and I think that this movie had both of those and Mm -hmm. like blended them really well and like I don't know ultimately I think the message of this movie is like your physical body is like super important to how you're perceived in the world (laughs) but also a lot can be done to overcome the limitations of your physical body with the love of your friends and people who care about you and people that really love you and deserve to be in your life literally will not care if your body looks like Vince Vaughn or the teen girl. I forget forget the actress's name, but basically the plot of the movie is that this Vince Vaughn is a serial killer. (laughs) He's about to kill this teenage girl at a high school 
and this curse happens and instead they switch bodies. Yes. And so the movie is like about her as Vince Vaughn trying to figure out how to get her real body back. But then she's like, everyone knows that this serial killer is out there. So when people see her, they're like, oh my God, it's the serial killer. And she's like, ah, I'm so sorry. Like, no, I'm a teenage girl. Right. Um, and then Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn as, is really good. Yeah. Vince Vaughn kills it as He's so a teenage good girl as a teenage trapped girl. in an adult man's body. I literally, <laughs> like, I was like, what is going on? Like, he nails it. Yeah. Which I also think is just... Maybe I won't go so far as to say it's inherently queer, but I do think it's rare to see, like, an adult man devote so much care to learning about how, like, teen girls move through the world. And, like, not in a way that's, like, creepy and trying to have sex with them, but in a way that's, like, really understanding from that perspective what that can feel like and be like and I think he did a really good job with that Ugh, I completely agree I'm so I'm so glad you put this on here when I saw it on here I was like <laughs> oh my god I wonder what their I thoughts are gonna we be both love this movie <laughs> yeah no I I highly recommend Freaky when yes. when we were thinking about doing our um trans horror movie series I wanted this to be like the finale that oh would god, be kind yes. of just like fun and silly but also like I really do think that this movie has like an important message about queerness and transness um and yeah just I I just love it I think it's great and I don't know I think it has a great cast and just is a really like cute feel-good movie in the end yeah well I completely agree oh well we cannot end this conversation without talking about maybe even the movie that inspired this episode yeah <laughs> even though it's arguably not explicitly queer but we're gonna talk about it exactly. it's called Lamageddon. it's called Lamageddon. <laughs> the way that this came about was that i was looking for a movie to watch with my ex at the time and this was like in april or something of this year and we were looking for something and this movie came up as a suggestion and I was like, we have to do it. <laughs> and then I made Ozzy watch it. Um, yes. And, and then, then I made Zoe watch it. showed it to me and I, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, so this feature film, this um, cinema was created in 2015. Um, it is an hour long, basically. Uh, and it's... Rotten Tomato score is 93%. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. It's it's which is ridiculous if you ever see Yeah. This. It's free on Prime by the way. Uh you know, this movie probably was made with several hundred dollars. And yes. um <laughs> If I just not, possibly less. Right. <laughs> I will say at the beginning there is a really um gross straight sex portrayal <laughs> and it was very alarming to me to be honest. So I just want to warn everyone, but aside from that, it's like pure camp all the way down. Um this is a IMDb review from Lovely Disasters 1. This movie was life-changing. Such an artistic take on our dystopian society was totally snubbed at this year's Oscars. The soundtrack was a musical masterpiece. You'll get a piece of that later. And the CGI was so extremely well done that I felt the llama was going to get me with his laser eye beams. 
this movie complements your average Wednesday night acid trip. <laughs> um, yeah, so this movie is basically like a llama comes from outer space and is it's Llamageddon, guys. Like, it's fucking Llamageddon. And um, hide everyone, basically. And don't get in the hot tub. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Do not get in the hot Do tub. Do not. <laughs> and at at the very end we're gonna we're gonna give you a musical treat that is the outro of this feature film. Yes. Um I I feel like there is something queer about like yes. just combining these two. Well, so you know, obviously it's a pun, Armageddon llamas, love a good mashup in that sense. But I think just combining like scary horror movie apocalypse with like cute llamas is just a very funny mashup and something that I think at least to me like kind of speaks to like a way that queer people can be really good at like code switching or like taking aspects of masculinity and femininity and using both or like mashing up things that might not seem to go together in mainstream society Um, and that is part of why I feel like this movie can solidly be in the queer horror canon. Yeah. Uh, well, and despite it's camp. the upsetting gay, uh, straight, straight sex. sex. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We just um, ignore that. Um, but like, which there could is... also just be about how straight sex is scary. <sighs> so maybe yeah. that is also queer. True. Exactly. I mean, maybe it was offensive on purpose. Um, yeah. I mean, everything was extra on purpose. And I think if you're being extra on purpose, that's pretty gay of you so true beautiful well before we play um this inspiring song for you all uh we just wanted to remind you this spooky season if you would like to help fund our spooky activities you can do so by going to patreon.com slash season of the bitch um where you can also join our discord Talk to us about all the queer horror you're watching. Get get the most up-to-date hot takes um, from us and everyone else in the Discord about, about these movies. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Season of the Bee. Visit our website, seasonofthebee.com. Um, and you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Tell us about your favorite queer horror movies. And have a great spooky season, everyone. Yes. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Broadcasting live. You've just witnessed. Red llama spaceship in the sky, obliterated space station in the blink of an eye, crash landing in an undisclosed location. Llama getting terrorized the whole nation. Doctor Syllable leave the beat in a casket. Fam driving off from a funeral wreaking havoc. You see Mel, she be trying to throw a party, and on the side trying to get a bro Florida shot it. Who's that approaching? The forces of evil. Red eyed llama trying to slaughter all the people, but they ain't care. Everybody getting laid now. Even our boy Floyd, he be like, I'm a man now. A couple arguing, they go out. 
outside. Little do they know they in them llama laser sight. At the party, everybody getting covered in blood, guts, and gore. It's time to go to war. Llama get llama get It's the llama of a get it, motherfucker. Llama get llama get It's the llama of a get it, motherfucker. Llama get llama get It's the llama of a get it, motherfucker. Llama get llama get Oh, get down. Everybody in the hot tub getting shocked. What the fuck? Somebody call the cops and take a shot. Then take another shot, then another, another shot, then another, another, another Five shot. Oh, don't comply, yo, so get on the deck. Blah, blah, two motherfuckers get wrecked. And poor Muck got sprayed with green paste and thus set in motion a llama transformation. Racing through the forest, we gotta get away. Ah! Okay, we find a spaceship and a silver space stick. Another llama attack, yeah, let's time to face it. Dea X Machina Pop shows up in a fly combine to fuck the llama right up. And that llama dies, but Pops also dies. The survivors watch his soul float into the sky. The end. Llama get in, llama get in. It's the llama Armageddon, motherfucker. Llama get in, llama get in. It's the llama Armageddon, motherfucker. Llama get in, llama get in. It's the llama Armageddon, motherfucker. Lama get your name, Lama tell you, your pussy got me going insane. Lama hit it from the front, Lama like it like that. Lama hit it from the back, stimulate my Lama sad. Hey, shouts out to the film's director, Howie doing? Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Syllable, hashtag Lamageddon. Shouts out to all the actors in the movie, Jacques M. Feeling, Pinky Brainwise, Eileen Burnside. Baby Buxner, Richard Symbols, Leona L. Dandy, how we doing? Mary Had a Lamb, Gooch Jesco the Third, Sunshine Phoenix, John Selmy, Aaron O. O'Shanson, Aaron Stacy, Chet Stedman, directed by How We Doin' and written by How We Doin' and Jack and Fillin'. Screenplay by them too. The movie was produced by How We Doin' and Alan Smithy. 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 Smithy.